The Start On Demand. On demand. Huge news was broken during our show today. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have re-signed Mike O'Shea as head coach for three years, and Kyle Walters has been extended for another three years as general manager. So we'll speak to Kelly Moore and Doug Brown about this great news. And what was your favorite book when you were a kid? We speak with author Lisa Bowes, who has written a series of books called Lucy Tries Sports, and that got us thinking about the books that we loved when we were children. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and a vacationing Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Friday, December 13th podcast. Yes, the Friday the 13th podcast for the start. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back next week. Greg, for the second day in a row, you're looking quite dapper. What's the deal? I know yesterday you had to go shoot some... Well, I'll let you explain. Yeah, TV if you commercials want. for the St. Boniface Hospital uh, Foundation Mega Million Choices Lottery. I'll be um, in quotation marks gracing your televisions <laughs> endlessly starting in January. So we're shooting those uh, yesterday and today, and I might sneak a job interview in at some point in between shots today. No, that's always the joke, right? When you Ah. dress up at work, are you going to a funeral? Are you going to a job interview? (laughs) Uh, Just, just some other stuff. Just doing my part in the community to, to uh, help out the fine folks at St. Boniface hospital foundation. Well, right on, man. Good for you. Look a new outfit. That looks like a brand new sweater. No, I've been, uh, I've not been able to wear this sweater for some time. It's been in the, it's been in the rotation, but I had to <clears throat> I had to take it out a few months ago. Really? Yes. And you, so, you, how much have you dropped? I don't know. I don't don't do numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a stats guy, but I don't do numbers <laughs> when it comes to that, Brett. <laughs> yeah, I, I I totally understand that fear of the scale. And uh, for me, I'm trying to do the uh, right now. I'm trying to put some weight back on, and so I'm having to figure out how can I. How can I put some healthy protein into my diet and have it not go all around my stomach in the form of a spare tire that has inhabited my uh, abdomen for my entire life? So looking to avoid doing that. Andrew Shear. Yeah. The, wow. Middle of shooting yesterday. I think I was in the middle of a, of a costume change, so to speak. And I heard one of the camera guys go, holy crow. And I don't even think that's the word he used. Andrew Shear resigned. I'm like, come on, really? And of course, uh, it was absolutely true. Speculation weeks ago and conversation around people urging Shear to consider stepping down. He said, nope, I'm sticking around. So that's why it was a surprise is because he had so emphatically just a few weeks ago said, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Now he's now he's. Saying goodbye. The hunt is on for a politician that the federal conservatives feel can beat Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's liberals whenever the next election is called. And after rejecting calls for his resignation from within his party for weeks, he said he's going to step down as soon as his party chooses a successor. If I were to bounce the question off you, any idea on on really who could be a potential heir apparent? Does anybody jump out? Uh, nothing's coming out for me. No, not right off the top of my head. I guess Rana Ambrose might be the name at the top of the list for a lot of people, even though she stepped away from politics and said she was doing so for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mentioned after the night after the election, I said, do you think Rana Ambrose has any consternation while she's watching what happened last night with the election results and thinking maybe, just maybe, if I'd been leader, we would have formed government. Peter McKay's name will always come up. Yep. Uh, the former minister of, uh, I guess he was minister, God, he took that helicopter ride, right? <laughs> and I kind of sunk him for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Minister of Defense, I guess is what he was. And Candace Bergen locally. And then, of course, Brian Pallister's name has been bandied about Ooh. in terms of uh, that job. But Pallister very quickly shot that down yesterday. So it will be fascinating to see which names come out. Uh, Caroline Mulrooney, uh, Ben Mulrooney's sister, 
No, Brian Mulroney's daughter. <laughs> her, her name has come up. She's an MPP in Ontario. So uh, those that list of names uh, will likely grow, and it will include some names of people that many of us have never heard of. So we're going to have more on this coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock. Also a reminder that Bad Santa, your next chance to play, is at 7.15. I suspect even though you have the opportunity to steal yesterday's gift... Mm-hmm. I'm guessing today's qualifier, today's player, is not going to want to do that because yesterday Brad Orr graciously allowed Elizabeth to keep the Vita Health $250 gift card and roll the dice and see what was under the tree yesterday. He ended up with Crocs and socks. Size 11 yeah. Crocs. Very specific yeah. Crocs. I have been fueling speculation that the Crocs, uh, not necessarily the socks, belong to one Brian Barkley once upon a time, but you assure me these are brand new size 11 Crocs, yeah, not that, Barkley's. That's my understanding. So <laughs> well, hit me and hey, the, the quali- qualifier today might be in a generous mood and might want to say, you know what, I'm going to take those Crocs and socks and let yesterday's winner have today's prize. But the name of the game is Bad Santa, so... That would be a bad decision. Let's just put it that way. So we'll do that at 7.15. We've got Monday Night Raw tickets coming up at 8.37. And very quickly here, I think we should replay something we did with Hal on Wednesday to help start your Friday off right. Because Hal comes in every Wednesday, usually at 8.37, but this week he came in at 7.37. And he always comes in just with a sort of a handful of quirky stories. And this one just had us, all three of us, in stitches So we figured we would give you some early morning laughter here on The Start with Hal Anderson. One more here, and this is a crazy story, but as you know, I kind of like the weird news, right? (laughs) Where are you taking us now? There is a man in uh, Uganda, I think it is, Uganda. His farts are so... (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) His farts are so deadly they can kill mosquitoes... (laughs) There are apparently, and this has not been confirmed, this part of the story has not been confirmed, there are apparently two companies studying his gas. The reverse engineering it? It's a real story. I've got it right here on paper. Just because it's on paper doesn't make it really? real. Oh, Come I on. thought everything you read is true. Um, but apparently, um, this guy's gas is so powerful it can kill mosquitoes. Okay, now it's getting silly. It can kill mosquitoes within a six-mile radius. Come on! So much for the news. So much for the mosquito magnet selling my shares in those. I think we're all about people coming here, new Canadians, new Manitobans. If this guy's for real, I got a place he can live in. No question. Let's get rid of some mosquitoes around my place. Hal Anderson, host of Hal Anderson Afternoons, weekdays from 1 until 4, bringing you the gassiest news from across the globe. Oh, boy, I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. And usually the... uh, my mom never said the, the the F word. Yeah. She used the other F word quite liberally, but fart was, we were not allowed to say that in my house. Really? They were puffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think my mom used to, what did she say? I think it was boof. <laughs> boof? Yeah. Did you boof? <laughs> well, my mom was from Transcona too, so well, who knows? My mom grew up in the North End. I don't know where she got, where she picked that up. Coming up at 9.35, we're going to talk to author Lisa Bowes, who has a series of books called Lucy Tries Sports. So that's inspiring this conversation about kids' books. What were your favorite books when you were a kid? And the text messages are already pouring in at 204-780-6868. So, Kelly Moore, why don't we start with you? Go ahead, Jeff. (laughs) It's just a blank sheet of paper, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't been written yet. No, Anything else? No, that's it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to give you the chance for three in a row. Uh, the, the Hardy Boys are the ones uh, I remember. Frank and Joe and their cousin Chet. Oh, yeah. I those forgot about those. Yeah. Uh, Kids still read them. Oh, they? yeah. They're oh, timeless. Yeah. Don uh, texting. Said, that was the first thing that came in. Hardy Boys mysteries. Yeah. So, yeah, though, that's a, that's a kind of classic stuff. I, I think I read a series called Encyclopedia Brown. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was another, you know, kid who solved mysteries. But all those books were great. Yeah. For five cents, no case too small. 
Was that was that uh, yeah. Encyclopedia Brown? Yeah. Oh my God, I don't remember that. <laughs> what about you, Forte? Roll Doll. Yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate, Chocolate Factory. Factory. Matilda, the BFG. Uh, there's other books. I can't remember what else uh, wrote, but uh, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. James and the Giant Peach. Oh yes. That's so many good books. I still like Twits. A lot of them them have been turned into movies. So yeah. In some cases, not very good movies, but I still go back and read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from time to time. I love that yeah, it's book. Excellent. Yeah, it's got cute little illustrations in it too. Uh, what about you, Bron? I read all those that we've mentioned so far. Also, uh, a guy named Gordon Corman wrote a bunch of like little kid adventure books. Not little kid, like twelve year old boys solving adventures and stuff like that. Uh, there are Judy Bloom books in our house. I don't know if they're mine or my sister's, but I read them. So, uh, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I knew that one. Kevin, <laughs> on the subject of Judy wow. Bloom, Kevin the Garbage Man says my favorite book as a kid was Blubber by Judy Bloom. Yeah, that oh, was, a, that that was, was a good one, actually. Um, I think my, we had to read that one in My school. favorite, though, were comic books. I like the Tintin books, which are popular globally, but not really much in English-speaking Canada. In Quebec, they're very popular. The Dog? No, no, that's Rin Tintin. Oh, so what's Tintin? <laughs> Tintin. Tintin, uh, he was a, a journalist from Europe that got in adventures, oh. and there, there are these big, oversized format comic books. They're about 60 pages each. They, you could only, they weren't like on the racket. You had to go to like Cole's bookstore, and they cost like eight bucks each. So I'd be constantly trying to scrounge up money to, next time we went to the city, Dad, I'm going to buy a Tintin book, and oh, Dad, can I borrow an extra dollar? They raised the price. And <laughs> last year, I finally completed my collection. There's about 30 of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, neat. and I had them all except for three, and and I hadn't bought one in 25 years. And then I was like, hey, I'm a grown-up. I can afford to go buy these three comic books. And I just went on and did it. <laughs> <laughs> what do they cost now? They were eight bucks They're like then. $17 now. Well, something. that's not bad no. in no. terms of filling in a collection from yeah. when you were younger. What about you, Brad? Uh, well, I loved Dr. Seuss, of course, when I was oh, a kid. Yeah. I, I lived on Horton Avenue in Transcona, so Horton here is a who no. was, uh, was a classic for me. But then uh, on the subject of comics, I loved comics. Calvin and Hobbes. And I know it was a comic strip, but, you, you know, they would release them in book form yeah, compilations. Right. And uh, I would harass my parents every year for Christmas for Calvin and Hobbes books, even well into my 20s. And then they finally bought me. There's, the, there's this massive hardcover box yes. set collection with all of the Calvin and Hobbes. And it's one of my most prized possessions. Those, those comic strips were... So wise, and doesn't matter how old you are, you, they, they appeal to kids, they appeal to grown-ups, and uh, I just loved reading those. So, yeah, that would be it for me. You? You mentioned Encyclopedia Brown. I thought you were going to say Encyclopedia <laughs> Britannica, because that's what I read when I was a kid. Nerd. I was a nerd. Between that and the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, yeah. I got the Guinness Book of World Records for Christmas every year for the decade of the 1980s, and I would read those things backwards and forwards. First thing I would do is check the Winnipeg in the in the, in the the reference page at the back in the indexed and see how many times uh, Winnipeg was referenced. Yeah. I'd look up all the oh, Winnipeg-related yeah. records. <laughs> and then kind of uh, de- do a, a deep dive from there. But I love Jacob Tutu meets the hooded fan, yeah, Mordecai Richler, yeah. and then Roll Doll. That's a great yes. pull, Jeff. Because when we were in grade three, we wrote Roll Doll a letter, our class, and he actually answered us back. Come on! And so that just really. Uh, really, I think it enthralled us, if, if that's the right word, yeah. endeared us, I guess, to Roald Dahl. And then I'll never forget when Farley Mowat came to read Never Cry Wolf to us in grade three, uh, an incredible book that in, in, ended up becoming a movie. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned Encyclopedia Britannica, and basically, uh, for those of us who grew up in that era, that was our internet. Yeah, it was. You know, I mean, you would go to the bookshelf and get out, you know, the the, the one that had all the information under the letter P, if uh, <laughs> if that was what you were studying then. But it, it wasn't just a simple Google this. You had to flip through the pages and, and do some pretty serious research back then. Well, and you go down a rabbit hole like you do on YouTube now because yeah. you have the P book and then you go, oh. Yeah. Let me look at Prince Edward Island here, and then you start going to different <laughs> oh, different things look at in the platypuses. In, exactly, <laughs> it was easy to do. We I've were got doing a it. Planters yeah. wart. It looks. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep letting us know two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight your favorite books when you were a kid. Uh, another suggestion here for the Mister Men series. Uh, Mister Men books were my favorite as a small boy. Mister Strong was the best. He had a red square body. Did you guys ever have to read to? 
Kill a Mockingbird in school? Yes. Yeah, I oh, read that. Wow. Junior high. Junior so high. The, talk about timeless. Yeah, that was. Yeah. And someone else, another book I read in junior high was The Outsiders. That was a suggestion oh, from oh, Josh yes, the Gravel I Guy. I love that book. Yeah. 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 What was it Stay Golden? Stay, stay Gold golden or, Pony Boy. Stay Golden or Stay Gold? Stay Go- I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. You Stay Gold Pony Boy. Mackling and McGarry got to read this text message at 204-780-6868 from Rob, who says, off topic, what you guys are talking about, we were talking about our favorite books when we were kids, Mm -hmm. and he says, you might think this is interesting. My wife and I have a happy Friday the 13th. My wife's original due date with our son was January 13th. He was born January 3rd, so first month, 3rd, so that's still 1-3, at... 1.13 1.13 in the afternoon. Come on. Or 13.13 in the afternoon. Oh, my word. His head circumference was 13 inches. No. My wife and son were released from the hospital on Friday the 13th. And finally, his given names, Dracius James is 13 letters. And I hope I pronounced that correctly. D-R-A-K-E-O-U-S. Would that be Dracius or Dracus? I, th- I think I'd go with Drake, yes. Okay. And he wants, he's asking the question, is this lucky? That sounds very lucky to me. Yeah. Uh, unlucky to mention Friday the 13th, which is why we haven't done it so far. Yeah. Well. No tricks of dexophobia here, but a lot of you might be. And with, you know, with the road conditions potentially a little tre- a treacherous, a little trepidation might set in if it's in the back of your head that it's already Friday the 13th. So let's just. Let's just not talk about it. We are getting all sorts of text messages on your favorite books when you were a kid. One listener suggesting, in my teenage years, my favorite books were the Wing Commander books based on the popular PC simulation game. And we got a note on it, or Instagram as well from Dougal Fitness, who also cited the Wing Commander books. Mm. So that clearly was some, a popular one with uh, young people from time to time. Yeah, Tom says, and this one is right in my wheelhouse, the hockey sweater. Tom says, we all wanted to be like Maurice Richard. Oh, the rocket. Yeah, and that, that, that story, of course, a little boy in Quebec gets the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs jersey by mistake. His mom buys it out of the Eaton's catalog, yep. the wrong sweater for him. So it, that's a great story. And, uh, of course, the Hardy Boys keep coming up again and again and again in another series, uh, Green Anne of Green Gables and uh, Little House on the Prairie, also coming up quite considerably. Roberta pointed out as well, because Jeff Braun brought up that he liked the Tintin books. And I was thinking this, I uh, don't know why I didn't say it, but Roberta has said it for us. Tintin, plus all the other books you mentioned, are still available for free at your local Winnipeg Public Library branch. Nice. Uh, and, and then uh, also mentioning E.B. White's Trumpet of the Swan. I also loved Stone Fox. I bought that book for my son when he was nine, and that got him into reading. I actually read the Tintin books in French because I went to French immersion, so I was familiar with Tintin. They were in our school library, so yeah, the Tintin books were neat. Nancy Drew, of course, coming up. Call of the Wild White Fang. Uh, did we all have to read White Fang in school? Does that resonate? Does that sound familiar? It, it rings a bell. What was White Fang again? Uh, I don't. I think he was a wolf. Okay. That, Does that sound right? That sounds like it could be right. Yeah, it's going back a lot. The Bobsy Twins uh, is popular. And, of course, Winnie the Pooh. How can we forget about Winnie the Pooh? Has Always anybody, some great stories. Has anybody mentioned Sweet Valley High? Those were popular oh. when I was in junior high amongst all the girls. I have no idea what that is, but uh, and nobody's mentioned it, but that's a, that's probably a good one. Question of the so keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868. Love hearing all this stuff. This is a great thing to reminisce about on a Friday, on a snowy Friday. Question of the day, CJOB.com. Did Andrew Shear make the right choice by resigning as conservative leader? 86% say yes, 10% say no, and 4% say other. You can cast your vote at CJOB.com. Mike LeCouture joins us now from Ottawa, Global National Reporter. And uh, Mike, is that the sentiment in Ottawa that Andrew Shear did the right thing yesterday? I, I think the sentiment is that he had no other choice. Uh, you know, the knives have been out for him behind the scenes. And ever since the election, uh, when you consider this, he was a conservative leader, best seated, probably best positioned ever to unseat Justin Trudeau. The prime minister going into this election had two ethics violations against him, had the SNC-Lavalin scandal. And then during the campaign, the blackface, brownface uh, whole story, and still 
Bashir was unable to unseat him as prime minister. So you have to think that coming out of that, there were a lot of hard questions. He went on that listening tour, talking to defeated candidates and to successful MPs, asking them what went wrong in the campaign. From what we are hearing, all of them told him that part of the problem was him. Uh, and that he really needed to consider stepping aside. And then, of course, this story that we had yesterday at Global News, um, that, you know, his part of his children's private school tuition was being covered by the Conservative Party Fund. So those are uh, fundraising dollars that, you know, Canadians donate uh, to the party, and that was going towards their private school tuition. Uh, Part of the problem of that isn't that, you know, these discretionary funds were being given to him and and he was using them that way. It's that he was out there talking about how he was the everyday man um, and presenting himself as the everyday Canadian middle class, just like them, had the same type of upbringing and had faces the same type of struggles as every other family in Canada when he was getting this extra bonus from the party to send his kids to this private school. So I, I think now the party... Um, is is sort of relieved that that the the past this point. Uh, One of the difficulties that remains is that Andrew Scheer has said he will stay on as interim leader. We are hearing from conservative sources that many people do not want him to do that. They want him to fully step aside so that there's another interim leader who will take over um, in the meantime. Whether or not they can actually have a full leadership contest at their party convention in April is a completely other question. Um, So as a result, you may have an interim leader, either Andrew Scheer or somebody else, who stays on well beyond April uh, and until they have somebody that they believe that they can choose who can go into a next election and finally defeat Justin Trudeau. Brett asked me what names came off the top of my head. The names on the top of my head are not important. Who are you hearing as a possible uh, new leader for, for this party? Oh, I wouldn't say they're not important. Come on, let's be honest. Everybody's got names and everybody's got questions and, and, and thinking that, you know, the roster is fairly deep. But the two names that keep coming up are Peter McKay, um, former minister in the Harper government, and of course, uh, you know, heavily rumored um, throughout the campaign to be waiting in the wings quietly or even organizing. Uh, he was contacted by many news outlets saying that he is, you know, turning his mind to it, thinking about it, but not making a decision one way or the other. During the campaign, we spoke to him um, in Halifax, and he said he was firmly behind Andrew Scheer. Uh, and of course, that's what he had to say. But then consider what happened after the election. He was in the U.S. talking uh, about the Canadian election and what went wrong. And he put it this way, saying the Conservatives were basically, it was a hockey analogy. And he said it was like having a breakaway on an open net and still not scoring a goal. That's pretty harsh criticism for somebody who says he's on Team Shear. Um, Another name, of course, is uh, Ronna Ambrose. And, uh, you know, the Calgary Herald just recently interviewed uh, Premier uh, Jason Kenney, said she would be a brilliant leader. She was the interim leader in between the 2015 campaign and Andrew Scheer, widely regarded as somebody who could unify this, uh, this party and people could rally behind. The question is, does she want it? And if she wants it, I think she could do it and the party would rally behind her. Um, whether or not she is content in her life after politics now uh, and whether or not she actually uh, would like to step back into Ottawa and lead the party. And, you know, Andrew Scheer said it in his um, in his campaign or in his speech yesterday to the House of Commons. You know, he there is a lot of stress and strain that it puts on a family to lead a party, not only in, in an election, but also maintain caucus unity and just lead the party day to day. Michael Couture. Want to do that? Not sure. Global's Michael Couture joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated, sir. Thanks for having me. Mackling and McGarry and more because Greg Mackling, we had the breaking news in Kelly's 725 Sportscast. For those just tuning in, what was that news? Well, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have announced extensions in the contracts of both head coach Mike O'Shea and general manager Kyle Walters. O'Shea signed now through the 2022 season and Walters guaranteed to be a part of the organization, at least 
contractually yeah. through 2023. So congratulations to them. But uh, Kelly Moore, yesterday afternoon, a lot of things happened wow. in the CFL. You had Scott Milanovic named the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. And then maybe the bigger news was the fact that Corey Chamberlain was let go as head coach of the Argonauts. And then former Blue Bomber quarterback and Calgary Stampeder quarterback coach Ryan Dinwiddie was named head coach of the Argonauts, which immediately had people saying, I guess this means Mike O'Shea is staying in Winnipeg. Well, and all along, uh, I think you might remember that last coaches show uh, where, you know, Bob again asked Mike, you know, everything looks good. Absolutely. You know, so. That doesn't stop people from speculating. Oh, and and for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, it, 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 in a way, it makes sense. Mike is from Ontario, and and so it would be back uh, home. But he, the other thing too is though he he and his family, just like the Maurice family, yep. have grown to love and be a part of this community. And where else, other than maybe, and I know you're going to kill me for saying this, but other than maybe Regina, when well, it comes to passion from the fans, where else in the Canadian Football League would you want to work as a coach? You're, you and I are on the same page on that. Yeah. Uh, there's no question about that. So that's now behind us. Kyle right. Walter said Grey Cup week. He was asked, you know, is Mike O'Shea the priority? And Kyle Walter said most definitely. So now Walters has an extension himself. Right. That's a vote of confidence from the board, from Wade Miller, to keep doing what you're doing. And when you win the Grey Cup, why wouldn't you get that vote? Well, and also, when you look at what Kyle Walters has accomplished, since he became the interim general manager during the 2013 season, and then at the end of that year uh, was named the full-time GM. Uh, But just go back over his draft picks. You know, they're no longer with the football team anymore, but Matthias Golson and Suk Chung were big parts of that offensive line. You know, they've had some good draft picks since since then. Michael Couture, uh, certainly Trent Corney, you know, Jeff Gray. Uh, This year, four of their draft picks were on the active roster in Drew Desjardins, Jonathan Congo, Nick Allen, and Exume Kerfala. So, or Kerfala Exume, I always get his name <laughs> back. I was going to say back ass words, but anyway. You uh, just said it. I so, just said and, it, yeah. and Three of the four had tremendous impact on the team. Right, so that's just the drafting. Then there's the trading. You know, for uh, uh, Matt Nichols and Zach Caleros. Then there's the signing of Andrew Harris and Stanley Bryant and Adam Bakel and Willie Jefferson. What more do you need from a general manager? Now, in terms of the coach uh, re-signing, I've heard that Zach Caleros, for example, had said, hold on, like, don't assume I'm going to jump ship. Yeah. Uh, if O'Shea sticks around, then I'm at least open to the conversation, right? Yeah, he told that to Paul Friesen of the Winnipeg Sun a couple of days ago. Uh, and that's surprising to me because I was one of those, based on the conversation that Pinball Clements had shortly after that trade, that Pinball was, you know, Zach Laris was saying, where's all this coming from? Well, it came from Pinball Clemens, the president sure. of the Toronto Argonauts, who said he was very confident Zach Caleros would re-sign with the Boatmen uh, in the offseason. So, uh, but uh, yeah, that's great news for Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. And, and certainly as a player, you know, you want to go where you have a chance to win. And when Zach Caleros compares the two situations in Toronto and Winnipeg, well, who gives you the better chance of winning? You know, a franchise that has racked up double-digit victories the last four years in a row. And I just want to talk a little bit about the O'Shea perspective here. Because they're 44-28 and 28 in the last four years, uh, you know, since uh, they really started to become a force since in the Matt CFL. Since Nichols became their yeah, starting quarterback. Yeah. You have to go all the way back to the Bud Grant era, the last time a team in Winnipeg, had five consecutive double-digit win seasons. So that's what they're going to try to do. And Mike O'Shea is the first guy since Bud Grant to serve as the head coach of this team for a seventh consecutive season. Those are those are rarefied air type of yeah, numbers. Yeah, and continuity, uh, we assume oh, is yeah. a big deal in sport. Organizations talk about it. Players talk about it. So we have no idea what kind of relationship Zach Caleros has with Ryan Dinwiddie, if any. He now has a relationship, yeah. of course, with Mike O'Shea. Paul Lapolice has moved and on. And Buck Pierce, who's probably now, it's the way it's going to be clear sure. for him to be the offensive coordinator. So lots of lots of moving pieces elsewhere. 
But in Winnipeg, for the most part, some expected changes with Lapo moving on. I think a lot of people saw the writing on sure. the wall. Yeah. Maybe had the Bombers not even won the Grey Cup, that might have happened. So th- there's there's a lot of stability within this organization in a league right now, maybe famous for its instability. Right, and I think that's going to play large, too, for some of the players that Kyle Walters is going to want to go out and re-sign, because the Blue Bombers still have 22 of them, and there are a number of impact guys uh, who they would love to have back. I mean, just look along the offensive line with Bryant Hardrick. You know, they still have to be re-signed. You've got Willie Jefferson, uh, Winston Rose, just to name a few of the players who you know that they'd like to have come back. Well, when you've got Kyle Walters and Mike O'Shea running the football end of things, that's going to help you a lot in that regard. And I'm, the, I'm sure Bomber fans are just ecstatic with this news. I mean, it was on display at the social, the Grey Cup social, where he did ended up doing an impromptu autograph signing that last all, lasted yeah. all night. And then when we had the family event from 11 until 2 at the convention center on Saturday, the event was done, but there were still well over 100 people waiting in line and he was—he looked like he was prepared to see every single one of them. And uh, he's been like every day. He's popping up on social media yeah. with the Grey Cup. He's out and about. He's taking pictures with people. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen this kind of reception for a coach. No, I, I think Bob Irving, the legendary broadcaster of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, said it best when uh, he said that Mike O'Shea is one of the finest human beings and and professionals that he's ever worked with in almost five decades at the mic for Blue Bomber games. I don't know if you can get a better endorsement than that. I think that's fair. We'll get uh, the perspective of Doug Brown, the other half of our broadcast team, after 8 o'clock this morning from the player's standpoint. What does yeah. this stability within the franchise speak to with players? You and I can speculate. Doug will talk about yeah. his perspective on that and uh, how he feels this impacts the Blue Bombers moving forward. I, I think this is a, a good news uh, Friday the 13th for a lot of Blue Bomber fans, Kelly. It, it is, and I think they can uh, start the presses again on those Canadian Mafia t-shirts because they're going to be around for a while. 11 a.m. news conference, by the way, guys, uh, when Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, and Mike O'Shea will uh, speak about that. And yes, Greg, we will uh, carry it on 680-CJOB. Read my mind, Kelly. Live stream it via globalnews.ca. And if you want to read more, it's up on the webpage now. It is a good day here at 680 CJOB for two reasons. One, we're having a great conversation this morning about your favorite books when you were kids, and you can keep those texts coming at 204-780-6868. We've also popped that conversation up on Facebook. But the second and bigger reason has to do with the big blue and gold. If the Grey Cup wasn't enough... They're keeping the gang together, at least at the top. Winnipeg Blue Bombers extend the contracts of head coach Mike O'Shea and general manager Kyle Walters, announced right here on 680 CJOB at 725 that Kyle Walters will be in his position, has a contract through the 2023 season, and head coach Mike O'Shea has a contract through 2022. Doug Brown joins us now. He is, of course, Bob Irving's partner on Winnipeg Blue Bomber broadcast he's my partner on the blue bomber podcast and the word continuity keeps pumping into my head doug what does that do for the psyche of a football team well i think it had to be done obviously um i can only imagine the negotiation between michael shea and and wade miller and wade probably asked mike to you know write down a number or something on a piece of paper and mike probably wrote down 29 years and slid it over to wade miller and said what does that number worth to you? So this is, uh, you know, they had a theme. They had something different going on when this group got together. And, and you're right, the word was continuity. The first two and a half years, it uh, it looked like everything was just going to be more of the same and turnover and turmoil with uh, coaches coming in and, and then uh, departing before any uh, accolades or achievements were happening. But, you know, they got it done, this group four seasons in a row now, double-digit wins, uh, uh, multiple uh, playoff appearances. It's now the norm for this team to be competing in the postseason. And uh, it all got topped off with um, obviously ending the longest drought uh, existing in the Canadian Football League. And uh, it's just uh, 
probably the easiest decision any of these people are going to have to make. And uh, uh, obviously, Kyle Walters, Michael Shea have uh, really, really earned and deserved this. The things they've been able to do, turning this football club around, uh, the streak they've been on, and, and now they're uh, at the top of the best football team in the Canadian Football League. Doug, what do you think this is going to mean for the team in terms of re-signing players? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad it happened now, right? Because you're already you're already starting to see uh, the effects, and this is something Winnipeg hasn't seen in a while. We've, we've seen a lot of players and some coaches leave just when they've turned the corner into being a consistent winner now. But it's different when you win a championship, right? Everybody wants a piece of that in terms of uh, all those special ingredients you put together to to end a drought and, and to bring a championship victory home to your football team. Now you're starting to see how attractive that is to other markets in the Canadian Football League. And uh, it started really quick with Paul Hapolis. I believe it was 15 days after they got the Great Cup handed to them. He was already gone as, as a head coach. And it's important uh, for other coaches uh, to know that they're going to have opportunities to remain here. And uh, especially for players that are entering free agency or, or have that decision to make come February, they're going to want to know that, you know, the, the stability is still there in terms of the brass. And then they still have an opportunity to continue on this, uh, can you continue with this regime in terms of accomplishing things going forward. Doug, the, the length of CFL contracts has, has changed uh, fairly dramatically over the last four or five years. One-year deals, super common. CFL teams also uh, doing the right thing by their players, in my estimation, and you might have a differing view on this, giving them opportunity, uh, window of opportunity to go and try their luck in the NFL. We saw Jonathan Kongbo get his outright release for that purpose uh, just in the last week or so. But relationships, uh, for as important money is to a professional athlete, and, and I'm sure that's right at the top of the list, but is 1B relationships either with the, the players that are lining up beside you or coaches in the dressing room? Yeah, I mean, uh, having a coach that you understand, that you've worked with, that you've uh, succeeded with, even a coach that you've been through it all with, you know, like... Uh, you really get to know, you get to form a, a pretty special bond with that kind of guy. You understand, you know, where you sit in terms of his evaluation and, and uh, you know, uh, as a as a contributing member of a successful football team, uh, that kind of continuity is uh, paid huge, huge dividends, I, I think, for players in terms of decisions that make on where they want to sign. As attractive, you know, it's funny, as attractive as some of the coaching staff becomes after you win a championship, um, the same is to be said about players that are figuring out, hey, what do we want to do in free agency? Where do we want to go? Oh, wait, Winnipeg's got a great thing going on right now. They just want a great cup. They re-sign their general manager, their head coach. Um, maybe we should go there and see if we can catch some of that fire. So as attractive as uh, the coaching staff and, and players uh, can look to be poached from Winnipeg, it works the other way as well. And uh, getting these guys back and signed and under contract I think is uh, is critical for them having another opportunity to be uh, uh, hopefully this successful as they were in 2019 and 2020. Doug, appreciate your insight as always. I think we can resume the off season at least for a little bit, but as you know, we've got you on speed dial. Appreciate hey, your time. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good morning, guys. Doug Brown joining us live on 680 CJOB co-host. He is the color commentator for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber broadcast with Bob Irving and Greg's co-host on the Blue Bomber podcast. Once I'm again, Doug's co-host. Let's just make that perfectly clear. Doug well, drives that bus. Okay. hundred percent. Right. I'm purely a passenger. Okay. Fair, fair enough. I'm <laughs> yeah, not trying yeah. to steal his thunder and give it to you. No, but... no. I just want to make sure it's super clear. <laughs> okay. With the, the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. And Greg Mackley. Yeah, and then lower, lowercase letters. Mackling and McGarry, in a moment, we are going to, well, here, I'll crack the lines right now. With the caveat, you must, it's going to help you. How's that? It will help you if you are a wrestling fan with some knowledge. I'm going to open the lines at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win tickets for Monday Night Raw. We'll give those tickets away. We're going to talk more about the Exchange District parking situation. But before that, we've been having a conversation this morning. One of the many conversations this morning has to do with your favorite books from when you were a kid. Because at 9.35, we're going to talk to author Lisa Bowes about her series, Lucy Tries Sports. And 
We were asking, what's your favorite book when you were a kid? And we got a great text message. Well, sort of a bombardment, really, of texts. <laughs> Multiple texts. From Dave, who took us uh, on a stroll down memory lane with him. Yeah, it's really awesome. And we've had dozens of texts. So if we haven't read them, we apologize. If we haven't gotten back to you, we apologize. But we read them all. And Dave says, Clifford the Big Red Dog, Mud Puddle by Robert Munch, Ramona the Pest, Bony Legs. And he's sending us images of all these books. And then he apologizes. He <laughs> says, sorry, guys, I got thinking of all the good books my teachers in elementary and primary school read to us. Thanks for the best teachers at Lord Robert School. To me, they left an amazing impression on my childhood. And so many of our memories, I think, Brett, from school have to do with reading aloud, reading in that circle with our friends, that shared experience and uh, books. They are timeless. And, and I'm so thankful for that. We were talking about the fact that the, the e-readers yeah. have kind of gone the way of the dodo bird. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that, that they didn't really catch on. I, I, I never even once considered getting an e-reader. I understand the, the convenience factor. If you're, let's say you, you go on a trip, you can bring multiple books with you if you're the kind of person who plows through a book. But to, to me, just hold, having the book in your hand... Can't be you can't beat that feeling. Nope. Even the smell that sure. comes out of the paper from the book, right? So yeah, doing it on a tablet or whatever that just doesn't work. So keep those texts coming. 204-780-6868. And now it is time to see if we can give away some tickets for Monday Night Raw WWE bringing its live televised event back to Winnipeg for the first time in 15 years. February 24th, Bell MTS Place. Gord is on the line. Yeah. Gord, hello. How are you, man? Good, you? Very good. So, awesome. would you say you're a wrestling fan with some knowledge? Huge wrestling fan. So if I were to ask you, who is the man who once upon a time, and this goes back a few years now, who once upon a Ooh. time referred to himself as the man of 1,004 holds? Think WCW. Hmm. Oh, just... Can I, should I, can I give him a hint? How many, how, how many other Michael, callers do you have Dean on the line? Michael. What's that? Oh, no, it's not him. Oh, you're kidding. I should have taken the hint. That is a good guess, though. How many callers we got on the line? We got a, we got a, we got a few, yeah. I think we should go next. Okay. I hate to say it. Sorry, Gord. All right. Gord's, Gord's on the right track, though. He's on the right track. James, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Good. Man of a thousand and four holds. I think that's I think that's going to be Chris Jericho, is it not? You are correct. Oh yeah. Me to welcome all of you to Raw is Jericho. So yeah, James, you are correct, and and Gord, he was on the right track. Dean Malenka was the man of a thousand holds, right? And in, when Jericho had a rivalry with him, he one upped him. <laughs> By saying he, he was the man of a thousand and four holes. Oh, that is fantastic. <laughs> Leave it to Chris. So we, we had to go with a Winnipeg connection for at least one of these days. So James, sure. congratulations to you. James, what's your last name? Connery. Have you ever been to a Monday Night Raw? No, I went to a SmackDown once, but no, not a Raw. Where'd you go to SmackDown? Uh, it was in Calgary. Okay. And it, it was probably taped, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, so it's it's still cool, but it's not quite the same energy as when it's live. You are going to have a blast. Awesome, thank you. Stand by, James. Going to put you on hold. Forty, I'll get your information off the air. We have so that's it for tickets for us this week. What a great opportunity to bestow a gift at Christmas time upon someone that would like to go with you to that. Hey, by the way, I got tickets to WWE Live. I know. It's exciting. I feel bad for Gord. Hopefully we'll have more tickets to give away. Tickets on sale, by the way, this morning if you want to buy tickets for Monday Night Raw. So now we want to talk about the Exchange District parking situation once more. And we've been telling you in recent weeks that dozens of businesses in the Exchange District have signed a petition asking the city to reconsider their plans for active transportation in the area. The news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham have been beating this drum with Avi Khan from Shawarma Khan each week for the last three weeks. And the latest pounding of the drum was yesterday afternoon at 4.37. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to the audio vault at cjob.com. So here's Rich and Avi, and Rich also sums up the frustrations. In case you need a recap. Oh, I gotta stop that and press play on this. Here we go. Yay, live radio. Has the mayor gotten back to you? 
So funny enough, uh, about six hours after, or the next day after the show, I did uh, receive correspondence from the mayor. Uh, and the mayor was very nice about it. Brian said, uh, Abby, thanks for all this. Just to let you know, we don't formally respond to petitions, but we are working with the exchange biz and councillors on resolving some of these matters. Best of luck, Brian. Something like that. And again, for those who are not familiar with the story, this is really the exchange business groups all banding together and saying to City Hall, you really have it ass backwards when it comes to planning in this area. We don't mind the bike lanes. We mind how this was actually executed. From a parking perspective, we're losing parking as a result of this. I got a note from the City Hall today basically saying that there's been no changes in net numbers of parking stalls, but that's looking at the entire exchange district. There's more probably on the east side than there are on your side at this point. Richard and Julie were also joined by Nick Van Segelen from Bodego's Restaurant, which used to be on Albert Street. Now it's in the McKim, the McKim Building, formerly the Crocus Building at Main and Bannatyne. Great. Great chicken fingers, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yes. Okay. There are some gems in the exchange district. And they were also joined by Mike Del Buono from the restaurant King and Bannatine. You ever eaten there? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Delish. Great, great sandwiches there. Mike speaks first. Well, I think, uh, like, from our perspective, and I think a lot of perspectives uh, in the area, is that uh, uh, just a lack of plan, uh, some very re- reactionary decisions made by our city and city council that... Uh, just didn't have a lot of thought put into it, and we're starting to see the effects of that coming back on us now. Did Was a, that a gradual decline? It's not something you noticed right away? Uh, it was actually something we noticed right away. Uh, we had three years in a row, uh, first three years, were uh, growing, growing, growing. And uh, in 2018, we went from our best year in 2017 to just uh, a sharp decline in sales. Same story, Nick? Um, yeah, so we, we closed in October 2017 at, at the former location, um, and uh, and we re- reopened in the summer of 2018. Um, in between when we were doing the build-out, uh, Mike and I talk regularly. We're, we're close friends as well as uh, frenemies in the restaurant business. Um, but uh, he, he said to me, this, you know, this... It's it's changed. It's changed down here. And I said, well, what's changed? Like, I've only been closed for, you know, I, we were only closed for eight months. And so it, it didn't make sense to me what you were saying. But um, as soon as we opened, it, it was a quick uh, realization that it had changed. For you, Nick, has it, has it been the parking, um, like the way they've changed it? Is it the bike lanes? Is it the cost of parking? Or is it just all of this together. Well, I think you hit it right there. It's it's a it's a perfect storm of of everything, right? And 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 again, we're not against bike lanes. We we love active uh, transportation. We want to see people come down in all forms of transportation. It was the the planning, the communication, and the execution on the way that they rolled the, the that stuff out, um, encompassed with with the um, decrease in parking spots and the increase in the parking rates. Um, which were more expensive than in downtown Toronto. Um, figure that one out. Um, those are all, I think, things that have compounded our issue down. Now, Abi Khan says he's not sure what the ultimate solution is, but they at least need to get together and have a discussion. But you heard it right there from Nick from Bodegos saying, we were only closed eight months. I mean, how, how, what's changed? How could it have changed? And he noticed it immediately when he reopened, how different it's become. Well, uh, let's face it, uh, and I've said this, uh, I think, twice in the last week, even those who are in favor of active transportation and Winnipeg uh, doing its part, the city, I mean, to encourage active transportation and creating more protected cycling lanes, I'm someone who's in that camp. I don't understand why they did the thing that they did the way they did it in terms of those protected bite lanes on McDermott and Bannatyne. I understand the concept. And initially I was like, this is pretty impressive. But then when you realize what was sacrificed to achieve that, that's sometimes you're going across a line. And so now you hear that there wasn't enough consultation. It was actually the public service that implemented this with very little input from businesses, even input from city council, you're realizing the, the the error here and the fact that 
Consultation is critical anytime you make a major change. People have to be on board. They have to understand what's going to happen. And even if you don't agree with it, you at least have to know what's coming down the pike. Khan adds that he will be happy to join Rich and Julie on a weekly basis until things start happening. And he says he's having no problems finding people to join him. He's got business after business after business ready to join him next week. So perhaps Rich and Julie once again will have Abi Khan and Cole on the news which is uh, airs 4 to 7 weekdays on CJOB. Again, go to the audio vault, cjob.com, to around 4.37 yesterday afternoon to hear the entire conversation. It went for about 10 minutes. Question of the day at cjob.com. We were discussing your favorite books from when you were a kid and have narrowed it down to four. And obviously... You know, it's not, it's unscientific. We're not saying these are the the you these are the four greatest kids books ever. But we got a lot of feedback on these four in particular. Yep. So we went with Hardy Boys slash Nancy Drew because we got a lot of both and figured we'll just clump them together. Anything by Robert Munch, Doctor Seuss, or anything by Roald Dahl. And so far, we just put it up like ten minutes ago. So far, it's fifty percent Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, and fifty percent anything Robert Munch. Mm-hmm. So no votes yet for Doctor Seuss, no votes yet for Roald Dahl. But you know that's going to change through the through the day. Cast your vote at cjob.com. Why are we talking about kids' books, Greg? Well, because Lisa Bose has written a series of books. The umbrella title is Lucy Tries Sports. And I reached out to Lisa last week. I was in Calgary for Grey Cup, and pretty sure I saw her from afar. I know Bob Irving bumped into her. And let's face it, people in Winnipeg know who she is. And so I invited her to come on CJOB, and she joins us now. Good morning, Lisa. Lisa, are you... Forte in Master Control looks perplexed right now. I'm going to put her back on hold. Why don't you just see if you can figure out what's going on off the air there, Jeff Forte? But, uh, yeah, I said the same thing to you, Greg. Is that... Like, I knew... The the name was ringing a bell. When I was looking at the emails going back and forth between you, I knew that I knew that name, Lisa Bose. But who is Lisa Bose? So she was a sports broadcaster. She used to work in this building. Once upon a time when this was CTV television, CKY more specifically, back in the day. So she was a sportscaster here. She moved to Calgary. Oh, gosh. It had to be. I won't say how many years, but I'm going to guess it's it's all of two decades ago. And she continued to work for TSN. So her face remained on Winnipeg television. Always one of my favorite broadcasters, always did a terrific job. And these books are inspiring uh, young people all over the country. Well, let's try her again. Lisa Bose, can you hear us? Hello, and it is great to be back on CJOB. How are you guys? We're doing great, Lisa. And that was the little tidbit of your broadcast history, your resume, so to speak, that I confess I was unaware of. You used to do some (laughs) guest hosting on this station once upon a time. Fill us in. Well, you know, uh, it was, yeah, well, I was, uh, when we started up the TSM Winnipeg Bureau, Back in, I guess it was 92, 93. Uh, Yeah, I used to fill in on the morning sports. And then I also did the FM side. We even had a little feature called Bo's Nose Sports. I remember that. uh, (laughs) And then we uh, we also um, worked on the, I worked on the the Bombers uh, broadcast. Uh, We did a little bit of hosting there with Bob and the crew. Oh, my word. So how long has it been (laughs) since you, you left Winnipeg, Lisa? Oh, man. Well, you know, I actually officially left in 1994, but I have never really left Manitoba. It's uh, one of my homes. It's a special place for me. It's where I started, you know, my reporting career after beginning as a writer at TSN. And I have, you know, some really good friends still there who are lifelong friends. And uh, uh, and I was so happy to, you know, uh, not, you know, subjectively, I guess, but, you know, we're always objective as reporters, but I was definitely so happy to see the Bombers win that because I was actually there in 92, 93, uh, you know, after those back-to-back losses and, you know, standing at Portage of Maine with, um, well, the wind and myself. <laughs> Waiting and, to uh, cover the celebration that just never took place. Is, is that what yeah, I'm gathering? Yeah, that's where they were. You know, that's where it was supposed to happen. So when I saw those pictures, you know, last month, uh, I was just really happy for, you know, all the Bomber fans in the province to to see that happen. And, and nice for Mike O'Shea. I covered him, you know, when he was a player. And 
uh, obviously, you know, that cliche defense wins championships is nice to see them, you know, just pull it out. So tell us about Lucy. Who's Lucy? So Lucy is actually, you know, I really liken her to a number of things. She's actually a compilation of every Olympian, every elite athlete that I've interviewed over my career, kind of just that resilient, courageous, brave character. And she really appeals to all kids. Uh, children do not see gender, guys. Um, you know, and Lucy, you know, the boys like her just as much as the girls. She is 100% an empowering figure for our little girls, but I think it's kind of neat to have uh, a female as the lead character in a kid's sports series. And so that's who Lucy is. She, you know, her and her friends, and she has a diverse group of friends. It's an inclusive series. And what we're trying to do here is we really want to inspire our children to try sport, you know, to be active so they can lead a healthy and happy life. And I understand as well that the series of books has been endorsed by some elite athletes. Yes, indeed. It was it meant so much to me for the hockey title. Uh, you know, Dave King, you know, one of the world's, you know, top coaches, he, he really thought it was terrific. Uh, on the back of the, the back cover actually includes, you know, a, a newest, you know, Hockey Hall of Famer and Haley Wickenheiser. Mark Giordano has uh, thrown his support. Marty Jelena, you know, the Flames assistant coach, he's on the back of the hockey book in French. I actually just was, interesting enough, you know, we're talking about some of my broadcasting. I actually filled in on my old job at TSN because Jermaine Franklin is on vacation. So I saw Mark yesterday at the skate before the Leafs game, and he, um, I was happy to give him a, a basketball book, the latest title, Lucy Tries Basketball for His Kids. That is fantastic. So, uh, you know, I always uh, wanted to to work in sports uh, on radio or on television and fortunate uh, enough to be doing that now. But that whole idea of sport getting into your blood, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a broadcaster, a little bit of both, uh, there are so many special stories within sport. And I'm, I'm guessing you tap into some of those personal experiences and the overall benefit that, that sport provides for, for our young people. Well, you know, you, you've hit so many great points there because we think about what sport can give us and really just to being active. What that, I mean, that gives us for our physical health. Let's just start with that. When we then expanded into how we pick up the leadership skills, right, the ability to work with each other in a, in a team environment. And it breaks my heart if the little ones are not being, you know, are not able to access it or, you know, are just not, not able to kind of have that experience because especially as they start to move in those teenage years and we talk about mental health, right? So the social aspect, physical aspect, mental aspect of what sport can give us is just so tremendous for our lives. And we know the research is in. An active start equals an active life. So I'm really trying through this series to inspire all kids. And that's the other point, right? It's all kids can see themselves in a Lucy book. And, it, and for hockey and for basketball, for soccer, short track speed skating. And I know you have a, you know, a really strong uh, speed skating environment there in Winnipeg and also Luge, which is really connecting to tobogganing. Those are the five books. We're really simulating what a young child would experience as they try those sports. So they can literally see themselves in it. And I feel very blessed and grateful to Hockey Canada, Canada Basketball, and all of the NSOs that I've worked with to ensure that we are, you know, on point here with this series. So it's really been a tremendous journey. When Lucy is trying these various sports in these books, are there any points during the books where she fails and has to has to try to soldier through it? One hundred percent. In fact, in spoiler alert, in the uh, in the short track speed skating book, she does not win the race. But what's the response? She's happy for her friend who does win the race. And in my school visits, that allows me to share with the kids how important sportsmanship is, right? We don't always have to win. We don't always have to have to win the game and to be happy for the other team or the other person who did win. And so, you know, that's a message. And all of the books, guys, are actually reinforcing principles of healthy child development. This is from High Five Canada. So these are the principles that we know are what our kids need in order to stay in sport. Can I just... So that would be an... Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, sorry to interrupt. I, I, I Trigger happy, am I? But uh, the, the point that you made about the importance of sportsmanship and being happy for your friends, th- this isn't a sport, but uh, the, the story kind of ties in here. I was playing a, a heated game of, of Crokinole at, at my buddy's <laughs> cabin. Have you ever played Crokinole? 
I know the game. Yes, okay. I do. Okay, well, it was a heated game. There were four of us playing, and it went on for like two hours. It was back and forth, and finally uh, my team lost. In, it was an intense game of Crocodile, and I was actually happy for him. I got up, and I shook his hand and said, congrats. That was a hard-fought win. And he looked at me like I was insane. He even said to me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm trying to be a good sport. I'm happy for you. You won a yeah. really hard-fought contest. Exactly. Well, that's right. And at the actually, at the end of the soccer book, you just uh, triggered me to, re- to, remind, to remind your listeners that in the soccer book, they are shaking hands at the end of the game. So again, the little ones can really see what they're experiencing, you know, in real life. And, you know, I, I, the, the principles that I was speaking to earlier, you know, are about that encouraging coach. That's what kids need. They need to have fun. They need to participate. They need to have a voice in their play and they need to, they also need to master a skill. So the book really reinforces um, uh, that diversity and inclusion that we're really talking a lot about right now in the hockey world, but really that extends to all sport, right? And we really always, we need to remember what it's all about at the grassroots level. So uh, that's the idea of the series is try to reinforce everything that you're seeing in grassroots sports across Canada and across the world, frankly. I'm, you know, books one, two, and three are actually in China. The foreign rights are sold into China. So, uh, you know, it's just been an amazing thing to be a part of, guys, and to be able to take what I've learned as a broadcaster and now apply it, you know, it's different type of writing. I wrote for TV for so many years, but now we're just kind of translating that into, into children, into a children's book. Lisa, congratulations on this. Uh, Wonderful to catch up with you. So many people here in Winnipeg will be happy to hear that we hold such a special place in your life. And we'll have to have you back because I wanted to ask you, I'm lucky enough to have a Brett in my life. I don't know if you have a Brett in yours, but I understand Lucy has a Brett in her life. Maybe we can find out about Brett next time you come visit us. Oh, I would love to. And, and I would love to expand on that because that is, well, as you know, it's about physical literacy for all. Lisa Bowes joining us live on CJOB, the author of the Lucy Tries Sports series of books. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. This has been great. Oh, thanks, guys. Love to be with you. And I, next time in the peg, I'll drop in and we'll do it like face to face. OK, awesome. Deal. we're going to hold you to that. Uh, my pleasure. I'd love to come back. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.